When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Hi, and welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast. And what is this a podcast about? Well, it's a podcast about just being a good person, being yourself, wellness, health. And you know what? It's a podcast about really fun and interesting things that you never knew about a person until you met them. (laughs) That's why today... I have a real awesome, cool guest. Have you guys ever met a person, whether it's a dude or a dudette, and they're just cool to talk to. And then as you get to know them better, you start asking questions. You're like, wow, you did that? Oh my God, where did this come from? So today I'm actually going to be interviewing Brian Smith. And let me read a little something about Brian. I didn't tell you anything about him yet. And you'll kind of get stuff while we're doing the interview. But Brian is a graduate from Springfield College, along with being the captain of the men's gymnastic team. While there, Brian earned many accolades. He is a two-time MVP of the gymnastics team, a three-time All-American, a two-time Athlete of the Year, and he represented the United States several international competitions. This is no joke. After moving to California, Brian pursued stunt, that's right, everyone, in commercial work and eventually secured a spot dun, 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 on the Bud Light Daredevils. Yeah, that's cool, man. Brian traveled throughout the world performing acrobatic basketball routines at every conceivable venue. Brian currently owns a gymnastics facility in Pasadena, California. That's where I met him, along with performing and managing the TNT Dunk Squad. Now, one more thing before I introduce Brian, I'm going to talk about Gymnastic Kids because that's where I, I met him. And Gymnastic Kids, this was actually established in 1991 when Brian started his first mobile gymnastics program. He bought a small red truck and some gymnastics equipment. He brought fitness and fun to schools in Pasadena and surrounding cities every week with parents wanting to bring their children to Gymnastic Kids And that opened in 2004 in Pasadena. Their goal of teaching gymnastic classes in a non-competitive, self-esteem-boosting environment has been, I do agree, a great success. They are proud to bring smiles, laughs, and fitness to children of all ages. And with that being said, Brian, how are you doing? And thank you for being here. Hey, Raj, how are you? If I could see you, are you blushing a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, Brian, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, you did so many cool things, but let's do the meet and greet part of stuff. So was sports like 
a big part of your high school experience? Were you like the dude who was like an every team like you're swimming and playing soccer and basketball what was high school and sports like for you? um high school was high school was great i wasn't on a ton of sports teams i was mainly on the soccer team when i first got to high school and uh i realized that i wasn't growing i'm like five <laughs> two so i was looking around and i'm like what, what else can i do and i'd seen these uh demonstrations they do for gymnastics at the high school and i'm like I was kind of drawn to this gymnastics thing. Like, I really want to do that. And, you know, my, my friends and my are like, dude, don't do that. You know, go join the, go join the soccer team, go join the base. Do not do gymnastics. My, I have two older brothers and they're like, what are you thinking about? You're going to do that wimpy sport. And you're going to jump around your underwear all day. And I'm like, geez, but for some reason I was very passionate about joining the team. And I, I didn't listen to their like, negative words, the peer pressure. I didn't listen to them. And I just, I went and I did it and I, I loved it. I, I loved it so much. So I did it through high school. And I remember I practiced all the time. I just, I just loved the sport. I remember one summer, <laughs> this sounds bad, but my friends and I broke into the storage locker at the high school and stole the pommel horse. Ah, you know, awesome. brought, it, brought it to my house and, and I had like a big barn in my backyard, put it in this barn and I sold mom horse the whole summer. And then we, we brought it back at the end of summer. But I mean, I was really into it. I loved it. And so that that's high school. And I got to tell you, I mean, God bless your high school for having a gymnastics team. My high school could barely afford a flag football team. So, that, so I know you went to Springfield College and what was your major there? Were you like, did a major in pommel horse or <laughs> like yeah. uh, who? So what was coming for you? And at that point, was your mind set that you're going forward with gymnastics? Uh, you know what? I got a, I got a scholarship to go there for gymnastics, but yeah. I, uh, but my my dad was an entrepreneur. He owned a couple businesses, and I wanted to be into business. I mean, it's funny. My goal when when I was younger and growing up was to wear a business suit. And work in like a high-rise building. That was like, <laughs> that's what I wanted to do. I'm like, that's what I got to, I got to strive for that. Yeah, yeah. And so I took, uh, I majored in business and I was on the gymnastics team. I had a great time in college, you know, did well, had fun. I just remember our coach would say, can you write down your goals for this year? And my number one goal was always have fun because I just felt it was important. It's important that that needs to be your, and you know, I wasn't, a great gymnast. I wasn't going to the Olympics, but I had fun with it and, and got some awards and stuff. Did you want to go to the Olympics? And why I'm asking is because I think me and you are kind of the same age. And I grew up in, I think it was 1984. That's yeah. the Olympics were in Cali. And the men's gymnastic team had some awesome dudes. Like, yeah. why I remember these weird names, like Tim Daggett and everything. Daggett. Yeah, Tim, like, Tim Daggett was from Springfield. No, he was. He was making that up. Well, he used to come to our practice and oh, work out. And I'm standing there like, holy <laughs> Tim, Tim, that's Tim Daggett. <laughs> and then that was like Tim Daggett, Mitch Gaylord, Peter Yeah, yeah uh, totally, dude. And, and Mark, dude. Mark Connor, all those guys. I mean, that was awesome. And that, you know, there was like a one second moment where I wanted to be the first like Indian wearing a leotard, like around. I, they were I don't so want to cool. see that. Nah, you don't want to see that. But but let me just throw this out there. The women's gymnastic team at that time, let me just throw out one name, Mary Lou freaking Retton. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Crazy. Crazy. So, I mean, 
did you want to go to the Olympics? You're like, I want to be Tim's buddy and this is my jam. Like, did that really, did you have those moments of standing on the wall? If you're going to the Olympics, you started like when you were like three years old and you were competing all through that time and you were probably in an Olympic streamlined to go to the Olympics and coaches. And I wasn't, and I was in a little town in Massachusetts, you know? So I started freshman year in high school is when I started gymnastics, but I still did well. But I knew the Olympics was like, it's crazy to go to the Olympics. You know, it's totally last little gymnastics questions. I got no. So what was your favorite routine? So are you a floor dude in old school where you're like, <laughs> you are messed up, right? So high bars. We like that's, that's rhythmic gymnastics. First of all, <laughs> so I didn't do that. But men's gymnastics, I basically my best events were pommel horse and parallel bars. I was all American on both of those, and then uh, I was an all-around gymnast, which meant you did all the events. Some people just do specific events. I did all six men's events. Whoa! Now. I tell you, I mean, the pommel horse, I don't know why I'm going to be focused on this because is, is that the hardest thing? Because, I mean, you got to like lift your whole body up and you're swinging your legs around the horse. I mean, were you like that? Could you do those moves, you know? Yeah, stuff like that. The, the Thomas Flair came in. Oh. Remember that? Remember? Yeah. Thomas Flair. So all that stuff I could do. And pommel horse, usually, if you're an all around gymnast, that's like your worst event. It's very hard to master. Very hard, but for some reason I was drawn to that event and it became one of my, my better events. Now, if I bring the pommel horse to gymnastic kids, uh, show me some scissors or something. I could do I could do something. I'm not sure what, but something would happen. So number one, when I heard that about you about gymnastics, I think it's just what you did and what you're doing that's just awesome. It seems weird that we're gonna switch gears in your bio and say you wanted to be a stunt man. Am I reading this correctly? Are you just pulling like stuff out of your butt? What I mean? Well, I I had an aunt that lived in San Pedro out here. I just figured I learned all this crazy flips and all this crazy things I could do. I'm like, why don't I try to make some money? Why don't I try to maybe make it a career? And I said, why don't I just go to California and try? <laughs> so I end up in my, you know, my dad's like, you know, there's some good opportunities in banking. I'm like, <laughs> like I, I think I'm just going to try this and then I'll, I'll go toward banking. Anyway, I moved out here to Burbank, actually. And then I ended up getting an agent, a stunt agent, which happened really quick. I, and I was teaching at a non-competitive gymnastics facility. Okay. So I, was, I was coaching and I'm like, and I realized, you know, I really liked the coach. It was never a chore to go in and coach. It was always fun. I ended up. Loving like younger kids, you know, two, two year olds to 10 year olds. I was good at coaching that age group. And then I ended up doing some commercials and I got a SAG card. Oh, okay. Screen uh, Actors uh, Guild for those who don't know. (laughs) Yes. And a SAG card, a Screen Actors Guild card is extremely hard to get. You, You have to somehow do something. And I just had a skill that a lot of people in the, in the guild didn't have, which was this flipping thing. So. Anyway, I did some commercials. I didn't do a whole lot because that's when the Bud Light Derek Double thing came in. Okay, but I got to know. What was the scariest stunt that they tell you to do? Did they make you jump out a window or something? Or did you um, for a shark I, like Fonzie and Happy Days? Or <laughs> I remember I got this commercial for Suzuki. Remember the Suzuki Samurai? Oh, yeah. They were all, I have every, every, every... 
girl. I mean, it's not wrong if you're a dude and got one, but I thought every girl wanted a Suzuki Samurai. Dude. Yeah, exactly. So I, <laughs> I booked this thing for Suzuki Samurai, and I get on the set, and they're like, can you do a flip? I go, yeah, can you do a flip off of it? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And I'm, they're having me do all this crazy stuff. So then I do the thing, and I'm like, oh, this thing's going to make me so much money. So then, like, yeah. about three weeks later, Consumer Reports does this thing on the Suzuki Samurai that they tip over. They yeah! Remember that? They flip over. So that happened two weeks after I filmed the commercial. Oh, man. And I did a flipping commercial for the Suzuki Samurai. So they That's sent me a letter. Pretty- <laughs> we will never show this commercial, just so you know. <laughs> That's funny. I can see, like, dude, this is it. Big break. Yeah. Good. And I'm flipping, and so is the card. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I do love that you were a stunt dude for a while. That is so awesome. So we'll go to part three because I, I love part three of you. So how did you get a job being a Bud Light Daredevil? And can you explain that to the listeners and everything? Yeah, the, uh, the Bud Light Daredevils were formed like in the early 80s, or actually maybe 70s. And this guy at Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi, ended up taking out a trampoline and jumping on it like on the quarter break of a basketball game, and he dunked it, and the crowd loved it. So yeah. this guy, his, his name was Ty Cobb, which is just kind of funny. So <laughs> Ty Cobb starts his company, and he ends up getting sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, specifically okay. Bud Light. Mm-hmm. So he ends up making this show. It's a halftime show you do at basketball games during halftime. And it becomes wildly popular. So I am sitting in Burbank, teach it and I look at this magazine, this international gymnastics magazine. And it's there's a want ads in the back, usually for teaching, but this one is for flipping on trampolines, which I can do. And I'm like, so I send him my stunt VHS tape. <laughs> I mail that to him. And he calls me up and he's like, do you want to go to, to Paris, France with us and just kind of hang out? And I'm like, yeah, I end up going to France hang out, kind of jump a little bit, come back, and I end up trying out for the team. And I made it. And so wow. at this time, the Bud Light Daredevils are the, the number one halftime show in the world. That's basically what, what I'm getting myself into. And we, we go to Memphis and do a training camp. And I remember one morning, I'm sitting eating cereal with this guy, Ty Cobb, and I'm like, hey, why? Why did you hire me, you know? Yeah. And, and he's like, well, you know that videotape you sent in? I go, yeah. He goes, you're doing the flips and you're doing all the crazy stuff. I go, yeah. He goes, at the end of it, you throw like a kick and one of your friends grabs your legs and throws you like for a front flip and you go flying out of the scene. I go, yeah. And he goes, it reminded me of me and my brother, something me and my brother would do. So I hired you. The lesson is you never know why you're going to get hired. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> anyway, the Daredevil. So we basically what the Daredevils do is they tour around the United States doing halftime shows. And it's a bunch of 20-year-old, 20, 23, 24-year-old guys. We get in a van. We go to a city, do a show. And usually it's a college show or an NBA show. And then after the show, you'll do the show. And the distributor of Anheuser-Busch will take you to a bar. And you have to drink beer and meet people. <laughs> I'm like, I think I can handle this job. But um, so you do that. And then in the off season, we'd end up going overseas. So I got to go to like China and Japan and all over Europe. We went to Thailand. I mean, a ton of places. And we do shows at these in these different countries. So it was a really cool job for somebody, you know, 20, 23 years old. 
No, I think you're being, once again, being humble. I mean, just drinking and going to cool countries and meeting people and going to NBA arenas. That's like inner circle of like cool jobs right there. (laughs) It was crazy. We got to, we got to meet players. We got to hang out. We got to watch the games. I mean, it was, it was pretty special. Now let's talk about crazy. So I know we, we kind of, you were talking to me about this a couple weeks ago that in the, the olden type days, you know, maybe the word safety wasn't the most important thing out of their mouths. And you were doing these crazy flips. Now you were telling me that there wasn't like all this, like, really cushy padding everywhere. How was like safety back then? Was it a priority or there was no such thing? There was some safety. The, the mat <laughs> got better. I know when I was in high school, you were flipping on like a wrestling mat. And you okay. Were, like a horse, they call it a horse hair mat. There's horse hair inside the mat. Oh, That's what, that was the old days. But then when I did the Daredevils, they would have kind of regular gymnastics mat, not huge because we had to carry them around. And the trampolines were okay. Um, they're a lot better nowadays, but back when I was doing it back in the 90s, they weren't great trampolines. Tell me, what was the worst one? What was the worst injury, man? Um, <laughs> I had a bunch of them, but... It, remember, was a stand, what was a standout where you're like, uh, you have to quit this for a second, you know? Yeah, that was, it was actually when I first started, we booked, uh, it was San Antonio Spurs and it was David Robinson's first game which was a big deal, you know? So yeah. the place was back. It was at the, I think it was the Hemisphere Arena back then. And oh, I think you're right. Yeah. So I go running down, hit the trampoline for the first time and my back just goes out. Completely. Oh, jeez. So I land on the mat and I'm like, oh my God. And I just limped my way through the whole show and oh. made it through. And then like, it took a month or more to get back to normal. But <sighs> I had, uh, I tore both of my patellar tendons I've seen a lot of injuries. But but not not like the horrific broken tib fib or leg or anything like that. No, no. Okay. Nothing Ooh. nothing like that. But um, I'm lucky I've been fairly fortunate. Since you mentioned basketball, and for those listening, Dr. Raj loves basketball. You met a couple of big stars, you know, and I know that my the generation listening now is younger. They all know about Steph Curry's and LeBron James, but Names like Magic and Bird and Michael in yeah. in Brian's day. So, who was the coolest big star that you met, and who was kind of a I hate to say it, who was kind of a? Let's see. I know the Laker fans don't want to hear this, but <laughs> we went to China and did this this thing, and Kareem was there, and we're in this like little area that's confined. He knows who we are, and I just went over and go, "Hey, can I get an autograph?" And he's like, "No, no." I'm like, <laughs> Just, anyway, but Magic always came over and said hi. Uh, he came, came over and talked. Actually, we met him at a thing in Las Vegas not too long ago. And after the thing, he came to the back and we said, hey, can we get a picture? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, the lighting's horrible in here. Let's go out in the hallway. I mean, what person does that? Like, of his stature, like, come out in the hallway. But what I'm a huge, I know the Laker fans don't want to hear this, but I am a huge Celtics fan. Oh, okay. Oh, we'll keep, so it's all right. My, it's all right. And you're still my, a good guy. <laughs> but my main goal was yeah. to meet Larry Bird. He was my childhood hero. So anyway, we go on the road and we go to Hartford. The Celtics used to do some shows in Hartford. So we walk in and there's like this dim light over the court. And there's one person out there shooting. We're there really early. And Larry's out there all alone just shooting. And I'm like, this is my chance to meet Larry Bird. <laughs> so I, uh, he goes walking by. 
And I go, hey, Larry, can I get an autograph? And he just keeps on walking. And I'm like, so I go one more time. I go, give it one more shot. I go, Larry, can I get an autograph? And he turns around and he looks at me and he goes, this is my childhood hero's first words to me. He says, are we going to do this or are we going to f*** around? <laughs> like, holy God. <laughs> so, so I go up, he signs, and then I tried to make some chit-chat. And he, just, he just left. So I'm like, was it great? But I got the autograph. <laughs> later, later that year, we go to the Clippers, and the Clippers are playing the Celtics at the sports arena. And I become friends with the Celtics manager, kind of equipment manager guy. I go, hey, what's the chance of us getting into the Celtics locker room? Which I'm like, there's no way this is going to happen. And he goes, oh, just hang here. So hang in. And he opens up the door. And he goes, come on in. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I walk into the Celtics locker room. This is a sea of green, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Paris, Ian, oh. Cedric Maxwell, all these guys. I'm like, oh, my God. And I walk right up to Larry. And I had a picture. He signed it. Then oh. we, got, we got a picture with them and all the guys are yelling at Larry because he loves Bud Light. They're like, oh, Larry, that's all you drink. Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a good experience and a bad experience with Larry. But all in all, pretty good. Dude, I am so jealous. You meet the you met the two biggest converse stars. In- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let me once again, uh like your life, switch gears and talk about something else, man. So this is how we met. You know, we met when you are doing gymnastics for my boy and everything. So my question to you is, how did all these experiences lead up to you saying, you know what, I want to have gymnastic kids? What was the story behind that? How did that lead to that? I was doing the daredevils and I didn't want to see another inside of a hotel room, inside of another basketball arena and have to drink another Bud Light. So <laughs> I was like, you know what? It's been like four years and I'm like done. So I ended up buying like this little red truck and I started the mobile gymnastics program, you know, and I'm like, oh, let's just see what happens. And it ended up that a lot of these schools didn't have like a male influence in the school because I didn't know how it was going to go like going into a school and trying to present, but they were very supportive. I got a lot of clients. I ended up getting like, three bands going out every day teaching gymnastics and it was fun, but I'm like, how long can I drag this damn balance <laughs> beam into a preschool? You know, I like, I got to yeah. start something else. So I, uh, I found a spot in Pasadena and I started gymnastic kids around, um, it's been 16 years and it's been a learning experience. But what I've learned is that kids, kids need something like this in their lives and I can provide it. I know with, your family coming in and your son, it was in that time I started learning how to teach special needs. Also, I went to a, an OT clinic and they asked me to run a gymnastics program at this OT clinic. And, you know, I walk in the first day and I'd never taught special needs kids. You know, I didn't know what was going on. And this one kid just keeps yelling at me. It's dark outside. It's dark outside. It's dark outside. And I'm like, <laughs> so I walk into the office. I go, I go, this kid just keeps yelling at me. It's dark outside. They're just laughing at me. And, you know, he, Finally, the people in this office that I worked in, they taught me, they taught me about special needs, taught me about, you know, the kinesthetic awareness and the proprioception and how to deal with an autistic child, a Down system. And I loved it. And it, it became a special part of my life. And I brought that with me when I opened Gymnastic Kids. And, and I will say this is that, you know, there's a lot of people who say, yeah, I'm trained in special needs kids. And I'm like, well, you're full of <laughs> because I've seen it, you know, I'm in the trenches and I'm like, 
you really actually have joy and patience with special needs kids. And obviously, I, I wouldn't put you on the podcast or bring my kids there if I didn't believe it. So everything you said is actually true. It blows my mind that you're not formally trained in this because you know more than people who throw out these little certificates here and there, what they did. And when you see them in action, you're like, you suck at special needs. <laughs> 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 you see, I wanted to you see it up close and personal, right? Yeah, I wanted to say that. But before we finish about gymnastics, because that's going to be the, the closing part of our conversation, I want you to, to speak about that. I want to kind of like, once again, bring back another change in your life, which I don't know where this came from, because you went from the Bud Light Daredevils to nice and wholesome gymnastic kids. And now I want to talk about something called the TNT Dunk Squad. Did you not get enough of like Daredevil? What made you do this? Can you just give me some background about that? You know, I uh, I missed that part of my life. It was fun. <laughs> I didn't like the travel. I didn't like all the other stuff. So I go, why don't I just start my own team? So uh, a friend of mine lived in Long Beach that I did the the Bud Light Daredevils with, and I go, you know, why don't we just get some trampolines and I have some mats at the gym and we'll just maybe do a show here and there. So we started doing like shows and then someone called us up and asked us if we wanted to do an assembly. And I'm like, what, what do we, what do we do at assembly? So I went to meet the guy and it was the PGA head, this guy, and he was kind of standoffish because they, they spend a lot of money for these assemblies. Sure. And so I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. Blah, blah, blah. We need this, that. And I don't even know what I'm talking about. And so the guy was kind of giving me some attitude and, uh, so we end up doing the assembly and we, we talk on the mic and we do some dunks and we bring kids out and flip over them and we do this whole thing. So this is the first assembly we ever did. And the, the guy comes up to me afterwards and he hugs me and he goes, I put an extra $50 on the check. That was the best assembly we've ever had. So me and my buddy are like, why don't we start doing assemblies? So we put a lot of effort into it and we started, we did one year, we did like 250 assemblies in a year. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like uh, more than every other day. That's crazy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> they have, you know, they have Red Ribbon Week and they have this jog upon and we have all these things. And we do, we talk to the kids. We we do a show and bring the kids out, but we also talk to the kids about making healthy choices, about uh, uh, healthy lifestyle, things like that. And we can also customize whatever they want. And we've done bullying speeches. We do Red Ribbon speeches, you know, whatever the school wants to promote. We can kind of adjust our speeches and do that. <clears throat> but we also do a lot of uh, corporate shows with the TNT. We go to Vegas a lot. We went to uh, London to the show. We've been, we do a lot of different things. We do a lot of bar mitzvahs, which is kind of odd, but <laughs> well, whatever they want us to do. And if we have room to do it, we'll do it. You're on Good Day LA not too long ago. I got to tell you. I, I loved it. My, I showed it to my wife. I'm like, get over here, dude. You got to see our Brian do some flips on Good Day Now, that's a newsroom. And trust me, I've been to my fair share of newsrooms. Like, was that a little challenging? You know, there's not much space there. And there's that was crazy. There's boom mics and there's cameras. And basically, we just kind of adjusted to what, what we have to do. The best one in terms of like things going wrong was the yeah. Ellen show. We did the Ellen show. No way. Yeah. So they, that's big time. They go, oh, <laughs> can you come in and do it? And go, yeah. And they wanted to rent our basketball hoops. They go, all right. So we bring in our basketball hoops, set it up and uh, practice. And then they do it live. So they go, all right, you guys go. And so we run down, we do a dunk. Then the second dunk, 
This guy dunks and the whole backboard smashes. Wow. So there's glass on the ground. Backboard's not even there. And we run back to set up for another dunk and we're like, just be careful. And so we go running down. We keep dunking. Guys are landing in glass. Guys oh are, my God. Know, we do like three or four more dunks and then we go to our spot stand and we wave. And Ellen comes down and she's like, oh my God, are you guys okay? And we're like, yeah. And a couple guys had some cuts, but that was something that went wrong. But you can't stop on live TV. You just got to keep going. But, you know, we've done it in Creed. I remember doing it in Ireland. They wanted us to do it on a cobblestone street in the middle. Of the <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> We're like, all right, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> so it's been on. So tell me about, like, trying out for the Dunk Squad. Not that I have any desire to do that. You know, yeah. I want to do it, but I see the poor outcome that will happen to me. What do you look for to be on the TNT Dunk Squad? And uh, when, when do you do tryouts? We kind of just meet people throughout the course. There's only a small group of people that do this, the, the, the acrobatic dunking. You know, small community. And my I've been in it for a long time, long time. And I, I shouldn't even be dunking anymore, to be honest. But I'm trying to keep it going because it's so much fun. But <laughs> we, we just meet people, usually a gymnastics background, acrobatic background, stunt background, something like that. A lot of these NBA teams have dunk teams now. So like the Clipper dunk team has people in there. Um, Phoenix has a dunk team. So sometimes we can draw from them if we're traveling somewhere. We we know people. We bring them in like that. Um, But sometimes we train people. We have people that come and train with us. Nice. Um, It just just depends. It's arbitrary how we find people. So with that being said, are you in the year 2021, was it December, uh, November? Are you still dunking as we speak right now? Can I catch a dunk? Yeah. Every year I say, it's my last year. I'm just going <laughs> to manage the team. And then I get drawn back into it. We did, I thought I was done. Then we get a, we get, we just did a show for the BET Awards. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. And I'm like, and so they go, you're going to do a show with the baby. I'm like, no idea who that is, but we showed up <laughs> and, and I did it. So it was, it was really fun. Oh man! Now, if for people listening to the podcast today, if you actually want to visualize this, I gotta tell you. I mean, look at Brian. You're just awesome when you're doing it back then. You're even more awesome doing it now, and you full on flip. So you're amazing, man. So I know that you know gymnastics is passionate for you. That if you haven't caught it yet, listeners, that was a big part of this talk. So let me start off with speaking to parents, speaking to just people, and is gymnastics good or bad? What is your take on that? Gymnastics is great. It's a great sport for kids. You know, uh, you know, there's a problem in this country with obesity. You, you know that. You know, yeah. one in three kids are obese between the ages of like two and nineteen. And if you're obese at the age of six, there's a twenty five percent chance you'll be obese when you're an adult. And if you're obese when you're twelve, there's a seventy five percent chance you'll be obese when you're an adult. So it's a it's an epidemic in this country. And so what gymnastics and gymnastics is trying to do is help kids with physical fitness. You know, I mean, obesity has a lot of reasons. There's, you know, diet, there's exercise, there's genetics, there's, you know, whole life, things like that. So we're just trying to be a, a part of a solution to, to this. And part of it's being teaching gymnastics in a fun and safe way. And there's, there's a lot of preconceived notions about gymnastics. Like people are like, oh, you get, you get hurt in gymnastics. I'm like, you don't get hurt in gymnastics any more than any other sport. And, you know, football, skateboarding, you get hurt a lot more than gymnastics. And 
And also they say, I know I'm not a perfect example of this because I'm 5'3", but they say gymnastics stunts your growth, which is a complete wives tale. Urban <laughs> okay. But I hear from a lot of parents about their kids learning how to swim, like being water safe. And I kind of look at gymnastics as you need to learn gymnastics so kids can be life safe. Gymnastics helps with balance, strength, flexibility, discipline, you know, things like that. And what we try to do at Gymnastic Kids is, is make it non-competitive. You know, a lot of kids are thrown into the competitive environment at an early age. And, you know, there's a, there's a race and there's 10 kids in the race. One kid wins the race. Nine kids lose. They're losing. Yeah. And their self-esteem doesn't feel good. They don't feel good about themselves. So what we try to do at Gymnastic Kids is break down these skills into achievable parts, like achievable steps. So when a child comes in, they can learn a step and be successful and then move on to the next step. And what this does is it gives a child an experience of success. With that success, it can carry that over into life. You know, if school, you know, envision your kid at recess and he's sitting in the corner doing nothing. He's scared to go out and do kickball. He's scared to go play tag. What gymnastics does is, is makes them feel good about themselves, makes them feel good about their body and how their body moves. And like I said, it can carry over in, into, into life. It, it helps, gymnastics helps develop neurological pathways into a child's brain, which is going to help everything in their life. It's going to help them in school. It's going to help them whatever they do. Uh, and, and the other reason, which it seems kind of silly, is that it's fun. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Raj, but the number one reason that a kid quits like a sport or an activity is it's not fun. You know, they're sitting okay. baseball and some guys screaming at them and they just end up saying, this, this isn't fun. And so what, what gymnastics is, it's fun. And what we try to do is present it as fun. I mean, who doesn't like to, to bounce and swing and climb and tumble? Everybody, you try to do it every time you're at the gym. What gymnastics does and what gymnastics does is provides a fun, positive, safe, place for kids to do gymnastics and succeed and increase their self-esteem. So I can only say wonderful things about gymnastics. I know I'm a little biased, but it's it's true. No, and you know, I wouldn't keep going there with my kids. And I have three kids and each one of them has learned something. Brian didn't even mention being in his class is taught sharing. It's taught patience. My little girl, who's now two, can now walk on anything without falling thanks to that class. And um, no, he's right. And let me ask you one last question, and then we'll do our sign-off and everything. Um, I just want to know about if someone's wondering what age is too young or too old to sign someone up to gymnastics or to gymnastic kids. Do you have an answer for that, Brian? The way we say it at the gym is walking to adults pretty much. So if your child's walking and or even crawling, I my buddy had a 10 month old and and I thought he'd just be sitting there like a loaf of bread, you know, like I'm like, this yeah. kid's not gonna do anything. Kid starts running around, he's swinging on the bar, he's going through tunnels, he's I'm like, that's unbelievable. So the earlier the better, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you, you just yeah. start early and then they're gonna feel they're gonna feel comfortable. I love it. But hey, this is your time. If um, anyone wants to sign their children up to Gymnastic Kids and meet Dr. Raj and his kids, <laughs> find Brian anywhere. Brian, can you give me your social media handles or websites or anything that we could uh, they could find you? Yeah. If, uh, if you want to sign up for classes, we're in Pasadena. And uh, just go to the website. You can do everything on the website. It's uh, Gymnastic Kids, G-Y-M-N-A-S-T-I. 
K-I-D-S.com. You can do everything on the website, like I said. And uh, the TNT Dunk Squad at schools want to have a have an assembly or or something like that at the school, some type of festivity or something where they need entertainment. Just go to TNTDunkSquad.com. And you know, for everyone listening, uh, we have show notes. You can go to the podcast website. We'll put up Brian's pictures and videos and information where you can get all that stuff also. So, Brian, dude, you're an awesome guest. Thank you so very much for sharing this colorful, wonderful, crazy past of yours. You're the bomb. I love you. Gosh, thanks for having me. I appreciate everything. <laughs> all right, bud. Take care. You bet. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. <laughs>